What is going on, everybody? My name's Captain Ozzy, and you're listening to the Eastern Current Podcast. Today, I sat down with Captain Drew Webster of In Real Time Charters. We talked about how he likes to drift for inshore species, etiquette on the water, and some of his favorite baits he likes to use in the Sneeds Ferry North Topsail area. Hope you guys enjoy. If I'm fishing a jig, you can bet it's going to be an iStrike Texas Eye. Dave and Ralph at iStrike have built the most versatile and durable lineup of jigs in the saltwater industry. Whether you need a finesse presentation on spooky wintertime redfish, or you need to hop a big swim bait on deep water structure for cobia and bull redfish, iStrike has the jig for you. Be sure to check out their website and use code EC10 for up to 40% off all iStrike products and 10% off all Z-Man products. The code can only be used at iStrikeFishing.com, and you can find the code and the link to their website in the podcast show notes. If you haven't already, be sure to check out Eastern Current on Patreon. There you'll be able to find our weekly Ramp Talk podcast where my guide buddies and I discuss our day-to-day fishing on the way to the boat ramp in the morning. You will also be able to find extra video content that you can't find on YouTube. If you've loved listening to the Eastern Current Podcast, subscribing to our Patreon is a great way to help support the show. What is going on? Welcome back. I'm sitting here with uh, Captain Drew Webster of In Real Time Charters. Um, pretty excited about what we're going to talk about today, but how you doing today, Mr. Drew? I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? I'm just trying to stay out of trouble, man, just to bumping and a grinding. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, man. Yes, sir. Before we dive into everything we got going on today, um, we just take a minute and tell us about your background and how you, where you come from and how you got to where you're at. Yeah, man. Um, started fishing in the Albemarle Sound area around Edenton. Um, striped bass, rockfish, whatever you want to call them, uh, perch. Uh, moved out towards the Outer Banks and uh, Pamlico Sound area. Uh, speckled trout, red drum, flounder, that normal deal. Uh, did a little bit of offshore fishing there. Um, then came to the Sneeds Ferry area. I've been here about 11 years. Um, really love the area. Re- love how uh, how dynamic this place can be. Um, it's I believe it's one of the best fisheries on the on the coast um, with with everything that is offered here. Mm-hmm. Um, started guiding, and uh, the rest is history, man. Yeah. Um, and then uh, had the the privilege of meeting the uh the the great Ozzy and uh you know the relationship kept kicked off from there man yep. and uh I now I'm sitting here yeah um so two things I kind of want to uh, dive into right there that you just said how did first of all how did you get into guiding like how did that come about so you you grew up in the Albemarle area Edenton loved fish and had that passion what led you to guiding uh well uh, started doing a lot of fishing, spent a lot of time doing it, accrued a lot of gear over the time of, uh, doing that. Um, and then, you know, just really just saw people like yourself, you know, would see that sticker on the side of the boat. And I was like, man, people are making a living doing this. And, and it, it, it caught my attention. Right. Um, got my, got my license, got everything, uh, squared away, uh, legal and, uh, Started picking it up. Nice. Um, and, you know, just meeting people like yourself, uh-huh. uh, meeting other captains, and uh, and it, it just happened. Yeah, it was just pretty organic for you, just yeah. kind of unraveled. Yeah, and um, it's it's worked out great nice. so far. 
So uh, you also mentioned you and I meeting up eventually. Uh, if you would expound on that very unique story and how that come about. Yeah, first of all, uh, how we met was, uh, you know, showing a little etiquette on the water. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, pulled into a uh, a spot at this time of year, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, winter sure time, was, trout, right before trout, Christmas. Yeah, trout fishing, man. And, uh, you know, everybody wants to be first in the creek, first to the spot. Yeah. Uh, so I pulled into, uh, you know, said creek. And uh, there was a boat already there. So, you know, as I was taught and as I've kind of, I kind of figured out on the water, um, you know, gave you a little distance, you know, you know, four, five boat lengths, you know, or, you know, 50 feet, whatever, um, to where I felt I wasn't affecting your fishing. And uh, we fished our way back there and then you hollered at me, hey man, there's plenty of room, come on up here. And, and we both sat there and fished and, and chatted, and the relationship kicked off from there. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, we whacked them that day, didn't we? Oh, yeah. I it mean, was on. It was on. I think you were with your dad. I you was, had, you yeah. You me on the boat. Yeah, it um, was me, my dad, and my black lab. I was, I was not working that day, um, but obviously we both knew what that creek had, and, and we both knew what its potential was on a certain tide. And I, I mean, to be totally honest, me and my dad left in the dark and we rode to, to the creek. We staked our claim. We were in the hole at the right tide and um, we were catching fish. I looked back and, and there, there you were and um, you were giving us plenty of room. And I thought very highly of that at that time. I was like, man, that's really cool that he would, you know, give us the room and not burn past us and ruin what we got going on. So, yeah, ended up fishing right beside each other that day. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, we, we had an epic day. I mean, oh, a, yeah. a great day. And I, I think that, you know, if you show a little etiquette on the water and, and it, it can – you can meet people and you can both catch fish. Uh, and, and, and that's what really matters is, yeah. is putting fish over the boat. I don't think we, we kept a single fish. Mm-mm. But I don't think we you did. Know, went there, had a great time. And uh, for the record, I leave the boat ramp, you know, before the sun breaks just to beat Ozzy to the spot. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, it just, it, uh, yeah, well, we're not going to go into that. <laughs> A four o'clock start's really not something to frown upon, right? No, no, you can't have clients showing up that early. Um, <laughs> they know the deal. But, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, the etiquette is, is a real big deal. And I, and I kind of take it, uh, you know, into guiding now. Um, right. I feel like, you know, it, if we can impart a little bit of that etiquette onto our clients um, and, and show them, and not not saying that the public is without it, without the etiquette, um, but I do believe it is it is part of our job to show a client because most most of these folks have boats. Mm-hmm. Most of these folks, even if they eventually uh, end up purchasing a boat, right? Um, right. They're like, hey, man, I, I was on the fishing charter, and this is this is what he did. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I did. I saw charter captains doing this, um, and I wanted to emulate that. That's sure. what that's what I wanted to be at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we can have a massive impact um, just by exposing the public to 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 proper etiquette on the water. That's right. And um, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like most people who have poor etiquette. Uh, just don't know. I don't really think they're being, they don't have ill intent. They're not doing what they're doing 
with malice in their heart. I just feel like they don't know. They, they've never been taught the proper etiquette for that spot or this area. Um, I mean, would you agree to that? Oh, absolutely. No, no body of water is the same. And That's right. The etiquette changes just from when you, if you're going from inshore to nearshore to offshore, mm-hmm. the etiquette changes. And um, it, it, it absolutely matters. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely does because what we're out there for, whether you're fun fishing, weekend warrior, or you're a charter captain that's out there every day, is to put fish over the rail. That's right. That's, yep. that's the biggest thing. And we want everybody to catch fish. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not in a creek and just want myself to catch fish. I love seeing the boat on Saturday morning next to me putting fish over the rail. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're not selfish. You know, we love to see everybody have a great time on the water. As long as we do better than them. Uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just better than the captain next to me. That's that's what I want. No, we're all a little bit competitive, but no, you're right. I think every one of us want to see a flourishing fishery. We all want to see everybody succeed. And, um, you know, if we all follow proper etiquette and, and do what we're supposed to do, um, which I'll be honest with you, I think that the more this industry grows and the more popularity fishing gains and the more people get passionate about it, we'll see that. I think more people will mind their etiquette. More people will get more passionate about conservation. Um, it might not be a popular opinion, but I really think our fishery is going to take a, a turn for the best. I oh, really do. Absolutely. A hundred percent agree. And that's just not, we're not just affecting people on our boat. We're affecting people that, that see us on the water. Absolutely. So if if somebody sees me act a certain way, like say it's poorly, mm-hmm. they're going to think that's okay. Right. You know? That's right. But if they see me on the boat and and I act proper and use proper etiquette, you know, they're going to take that, okay, hey, this is how I'm supposed to act, especially mm-hmm. those new boaters. That's right. And I think that's that's a huge impact that we can have. Yeah. No, I agree completely. Um, I, I think that's a really good point that, that – how you act, whether you are just an avid angler or a charter captain, how you act could dictate how someone else thinks it's appropriate to act in that area. Um, so, you know, doing what you're supposed to do and, and minding other people and just being respectful uh, goes a long way, especially for the new boater. Yeah, and and we had that conversation when we fished the other day. I mean, we spent all day fishing, and, you know, my kind of theory on this is is that if, if you're moving and fishing, troll the motor down, moving um i'm going to give you that space and i'm going to move move uh along with you you know give you that that 50 yards or 50 feet or um those four boat links um and i'm going to move with you but if if said person is you know power pulled down anchored down um i'm going to put my trolling motor down Mm -hmm. um in certain situations if we're in a small creek you know that's not much wider than the road um i'm going to put my my trolling motor down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to talk to that person. Be like, hey, you know, where would you like me to pass? Right. You know, we only pass close to you or, or the opposite bank. And I believe right. that's important, you know, communicating with the other boat. Right. Absolutely. Especially in the, uh, in, in, in the nearshore game, uh, nearshore, offshore, um, you know, we got radios. Mm-hmm. You know, we can talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a benefit. And, and it can be a little controversial at times. <laughs> Over the radio, but uh, my favorite is hearing everybody say good morning to each other. 
Yeah, I if mean, if you get out there early enough, you can hear like, "Hey, Roger, good morning. This is Stan." And I just, I, of course, nobody's going to call Ozzy on, a, on an offshore radio. So I, all I get to do is just listen. Um, I don't get called on the radio, but they're like, hey, Pete, good morning. How's your mama and them? I love it. I love the offshore radio game. Yeah, man. I mean, they're, they're a tight community, and I've, I've been lucky enough to, to make a lot of friends that, that are in that, that, are, um, that, that communicate very well with each other. And I think that, uh, that circle that that you build when in the uh in the the guiding community is is very crucial just like the relationship that that you and i have Mm -hmm. um we talk to each other a lot um especially after trips yep you know um what we learned on the water that day what the new trends are um not necessarily like hey man go here no it's just like hey man this is what i saw because we all have our own you know game plans and thoughts Mm -hmm. um on what we want to do but nothing is better than news right from the water. That's right. I think that is the beauty of the fishing community. Um, the, the fact that we are able to meet up afterward and be like, this is what I learned. Because most people who are fishing uh, frequently, they're, they're going out and they're learning something, and they're going to their fishing buddies, and they're talking, and those fishing buddies have buddies and um, I think Eastern Current is actually a really good example of that. Like, the, fishing is a community, and it's really unique in that, that we, we all, you know, communicate and, and share that. But we're not talking about, hey, go here, do this. This is how you be successful. But, like, this is what I learned. And then the, the person you're meeting up with or, or whoever you communicate with is also like, hey, this is what I learned. And it's just a big group of you know, sharing knowledge. And it's so funny sometimes how we'll go out on the same day more than once. We'll go out on the same day and we'll fish half days or whatever, come back and we'll learn two totally different things or have two totally different experiences. Um, it's it's kind of crazy. Within about five miles of each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pass each other seven times that day and had just learned two different things. It's, yeah. it's a really cool cool aspect to fishing. I think you should be learning something every day on the water. Oh, absolutely. It, you should be taking at least three things back and go back, go home. Yeah. And it, it doesn't have to be with, with another another fishing buddy or another person that fishes. And you can break the day down mm-hmm. on yep. times, tides, yep. pressure, yep. Um, wind direction there's there's so many ways to pick apart a day and and trying to figure out why this happened at this certain time yep with that being said do you keep any kind of log or you just keep it mentally or do you use photos i hear a lot of people now will just go through their photos that they take and and kind of use that as a fishing log how do you keep count of everything absolutely i keep a fishing log do you absolutely um i have a probably at least four years of Mm -hmm. of a fishing log um, and I write down everything, uh, water temp, wind direction, uh, barometer. <laughs> I uh, caught that. Yeah. Um, tides, uh, what I caught, where I caught it and the reason why I think I caught it. Okay. You know, what, what baits I was throwing. Um, of those aspects that you write down in your fishing log, is there one that is, or a couple that sticks out more than any other? Like, is there a couple factors that you look at that are more important than others? Uh, I look at the profile of the bait that I was throwing. Oh, nice. Um, and 
the salooner forecast with the major minor and the barometer okay do you use an app for your salooner forecast i do absolutely right. do you, i, I couldn't name called? it i couldn't name it off the top of my mine head, is literally right? called salooner I, I think it's the same one is it like uh turquoise and black i think app? so well you're you're apple i'm android so ah, it might loser. be a little different but <laughs> uh, those are the three things um that i look at um not so much a location or type of bottom it's the profile of the bait that i was throwing the the barometer and the salooner forecast i got you um is there certain instances that you change your profile can you dive into that a little bit uh it depends on what i'm seeing on the water if i'm seeing big bait i'm gonna start throwing big baits okay i'm trying to match match the hatch as a the the bass fishermen like to say yeah Um, fly guys love that saying yes okay i mean that's a new world for me um (laughs) yeah but if if i'm seeing you know menhaden you know sprinkle on the top or you know flip i'm I'm gonna throw a mirror lure if i see mullet you know i'm gonna start you know ripping paddle tails or spoons um it it really depends on what kind of bait and and how the bait is acting um if you see shrimp start throwing shrimp style baits or anything that that can imitate that kind of action yeah um it really depends on what I see and how the bait is acting. Yeah. That, what do you mean by uh, how the bait's acting? So the bait is active and, and happy, um, flipping on top of the water, uh, especially in the early morning. And, and I'll, actually all day, I always have a top water bait on. That's right. Always. It, it never comes off. And I've been... Year round? A year round. Gotcha. Non Year round. I mean, I've been with... Uh, you know, a local legend around here in uh, Captain Billy Stokes. Captain Billy Stokes. I think it was the end of January, and he's slinging a topwater bait uh-huh. and caught trout. You know, and I'm I looked at him and I was like, Billy, what what are you doing? All right, he, he's throwing a topwater bait. It's the end of January. It's almost February, and got by about the time it come out of my mouth, I was proved wrong. <laughs> so, um, stud trout. If you got the room for the gear. Keep a top water bait on. Yeah, absolutely. Nonstop. I, I not really worried about what color or what brand. You know, everybody's got their preferences, mm-hmm. but a top water bait can be absolutely deadly. Yep. year round. And speaking of Captain Billy, he'll be the first to tell you that like confidence is key when it comes to especially top waters, whether it's bone eight oh eight, whether it's chartreuse, um, whatever you have confidence in, because you're gonna fish that bait a little different. Absolutely, and I, I call them comfort baits. Comfort baits. I, yes. I've heard you use that comfort bait <laughs> saying you know, before. I, I have. I am very comfortable with like said lure or you know throwing this type or whatever. But uh, I believe comfort baits matter. Would you be willing to share with us a few of your comfort baits? Uh, absolutely. So the the spook uh, bone is my top order bone bait. spook. Yep, classic, classic man. You you can basically throw it in. Any type of water, clear water, the bottom side or the, in the sides of that mullet or that bait fish or silver. Yep. And that water clarity is going to manipulate the the shade of white or right. whatever the fish right. sees yep. to the, the natural presentation. Uh-huh. So you can't really go wrong with that bone or that white color. Uh-huh. Um, the mullet color is a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and always have a pink. <laughs> For some reason, uh, always got a pink. Yeah, still haven't made sense of that one yet. No, and that that goes the same for mirror lures as well. Yep. Uh, mirror lures, obviously pink in the speckled trout uh, pattern. 808, 
It's a classic. Eight, you gotta have an eight oh eight and uh, broken glass. Broken glass. Eight, 808, eight oh eight. Broken glass. When do you break out your broken glass? I like the broken glass in uh, stained water. Stained water. I feel like it catches the sunlight a little bit better. It gives that flash. Um, so would you would you break your broken glass out on a cloudy day? Absolutely. Is that when you key into that broken glass? Yes. Gotcha. Yes, that stained water eight oh eight broken glass on a on a cloudy day. Uh, a clear water day, for some reason, the backs of the creeks have gotten clear. Mm-hmm. I'm throwing that uh, that original 808. Okay. I'm moving away from that broken, broken glass because I'm not – the bait's not starved for that flash. It's, right. it's getting plenty of it. Sure. Just from that uh, that sunlight, those bluebird days. Mm-hmm. Uh, soft plastics. Uh, I've really gotten into those Savage Gear shrimp. Yeah, tell me about that a little uh, bit. Oh, man. I mean... I think there's about seven of them sitting right behind your head yeah, right now. I know, man. And and I love them. Uh, they have a super realistic look. Uh, a lot like the voodoo shrimp. Yeah. But... They sink well. They sink well, and they sit up in the in on the bottom just like a natural shrimp would. They, sure. They have that kind of... Uh, not a... Uh, not Teflon, but whatever that weave is that's going through them to make it a little bit stronger. Yeah, uh-huh. um, just like the uh, the voodoo's do, and and they're they're large. They are. They're large. They get the big trout bite. They absolutely do, um, and they look great under a popping cork. Yes, they do. Great action. Head sinks down first. Um, they got that segmented body as it moves back toward the tail. A lot of action on the tail. One of the best parts about that Savage Gear shrimp is they're weedless. Oh yeah, crucial. Yeah, crucial. especially for our area, we we fish a lot of stumpy creeks, um, and having that weedless, natural looking shrimp goes a long way. Um, so yeah, that's 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 a really good. I think this is one of those organic um, commercials that we just had. Neither of us are sponsored by Savage Gear. Looking for one though. Yeah, <laughs> if Savage Gear is listening to this. Um, we would love to be a part of your team. <laughs> but, yeah, no, a, such a good bait. I Absolutely. Think I've utilized it more this year than years past. Yeah, and uh, especially, you know, towards the end of the of the summer when the shrimp were thick. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were able to throw on a random color, like a purple and, and pink sure. one, and you were able to stand out from the crowd of the shrimp. And That's those right. redfish would hunt those things down. They yep. would see that one looks delicious yep and and go and go <laughs> crush right. it that's right um and then f- my final comfort bait is uh a z-man trout eye you know with the minnow z yeah no matter you have a color uh i do morning glory is my color oh man i wasn't sure if you want to give that little bit up oh man. i knew it but i didn't know if you were going to give it up i mean it, it it it's it's not a secret man anybody can go out and get it and if it puts fish over your rail on your boat. Yeah. I'm all about it. Yeah, that's right. I'm all that's about exactly it. exactly right. I only say that because you broke it out last minute when we were fishing. And you were like, look, I've, I've got this little secret right here. I was like, what are you talking about? You break this morning glory out. I'm like, that thing looks whack. I, I'm going to stick to my Mardi Gras mirror lure. And you proceed to go, what, five fish? I up think on? it was four. I okay. called four in a row. In a row. I'm not even talking in a 30-minute period. I mean, you went cast to cast to cast to cast on this Morning Glory Z-Man. 
And I was like, it, and it, it's really, I mean, I look at a lot of Z-Mans. I, I carry a lot of Z-Mans. I love their product, but I just, I've always breezed over that morning glory color. And, until, and- until Captain <laughs> Drew Webster goes four casts back to back. Yeah, and uh, I mean, a lot of different companies make that morning glory uh, color. Um, Saltwater Assassin makes it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Zoom makes one. Um, and it, it, and for folks that don't know, it's like a red flake body with the chartreuse tail. Yep. And the reason why I believe it's, it, it gets the bites is that transition from that body to that tail. The, the trout just can't stand it. No. Even, even drum. I mean, no. yeah, you went a little bit of both it. that day. Yeah. And it, it's not a secret, you know, it's, it's my, that is my go-to comfort bait. Yeah. Like number one on the list before yeah. any other bait is that that Z-Man. I think in the winter, um, I mean, and even in the summer, I wish they made it in a bigger profile, but sure. it's it, it, it puts fish over the rail and it's easy to work. And if you're a client on my boat, that is, there's five of them <laughs> tied on Yeah, Be- because we break them off. I mean, it's, yeah, it happens. It We're fishing a, a trout eye jig head and I'll even go to the finesse. Mm-hmm. Uh, finesse eye. Um, yeah, that's pretty sick little. Jig, yeah, we move up river, in. and it, there's a lot of stumps. And if you're going to put it in the water, you better be prepared to lose it. That's right. Um, if you're worried about that ten dollar bait, go and hang it up in the garage somewhere, because eventually you're gonna you're gonna get hung. That's right. There's yep. there's nothing you can do about that. That's but right. it, that bait has put more fish in the boat for clients than any other bait on my boat. Yeah, and it's easy to work. You can be a novice. Yeah, it whooped my tail. I, you you made me a believer that day, um, yeah. Morning Glory Z Man absolutely whooped me on what I would consider my comfort baits being a uh, one knocker spook and a Mardi Gras MR seventeen and MR twenty seven. I love the twenty sevens. Twenty seven is a good bait. Same colors though. Yeah, Mardi Gras. Yeah, you 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 put it on me. Forecast back to back. I was like, okay, I need, I need to see what this morning glory is all about. Yeah, but man. You just mentioned uh, something interesting about having five tied up in the boat, ready to rock and roll. Uh, with that being said, tell me a little bit about how many rods you carry on any given day. Whether we're inshore, near shore, it's twelve rods. Twelve rods minimum. 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 If if I got to put them in the rod, and that's out on the deck, that's in the rod holders, that's in the leaning post. Um, I'll I'll stuff more in the in the rod lockers. Yeah. Tell I, me about I your boat to. a little bit. How are you able to carry that many rods? So I run a uh, twenty four hundred Bulls Bay. Uh-huh. Um, it is it's a hybrid, but mm-hmm. um, like when we were out the other day, we ran in some shallow stuff. Yeah, I we mean, did. We were in probably thirteen to sixteen inches of water. Yeah, you're being generous. Yeah, a little little sketchy at times, but uh, it's uh, it does well. I mean, it handles anything the New River can throw at it. Um, you ran it on the on the noose, sure did. Um, yep, and it, it it can handle anything from from windblown chop on the on the New River or the noose. Um, and I even take it near shore, offshore. Been off thirty miles, and it probably plus thirty miles with clients. I've been out there by myself in uh, about 45. Nice. So, Very um, nice. And the limit for that offshore or near shore is, is about three footers mm-hmm. at, a, at a good period between the swells. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
generally I handpick my days for my clients. Right. But it, it, it does well, man. It, it can get in those shallow creeks. It can run on those shallow flats. Um, and there's plenty of space. I really love it for uh, when you get the kids. Yeah. You get the kids it's out there, It's a good there, kid's man. boat. Yes. Awesome kid's boat. It's got high gunnels. Um, it's comfortable. Uh, plenty of seating. And, and, it, and it rides smooth. Nobody wants to get their, uh, their fillings rattled out. Right. You know, running up, right. up and down the ICW. Yeah. Um, and it, it does well for that. And the wife likes it, so that's always a plus. That's, that, that helps. Yeah, it helps a lot. Absolutely. So, out of, so you're extremely versatile. I mean, you do a lot of different things from near shore, offshore, inshore, trout, red, flounder. Um, do you have a favorite species that you target? Do I have to pick between... Uh, the two, nearshore and uh, inshore? If you had to nail it down, if you just had to nail it down, what do you got? Oh, it, it has, has to be a grouper. Absolutely has to be a grouper. And uh, just so the, the table fare and, and the quality of meat, which is great because, you know, it it's one of the best eating fish out there. And, and the... I don't want to say the lack of skill that it takes, but the how easy it is for a novice to be able to do it. Yeah, Cause, absolutely. Because we can, we can roll out there, we'll drop down, catch a couple sea bass, and we get the fish all fired up, and it's like, all right, send the grouper rods down. That's right. Send them down. And uh, you don't have to do a hook set. You don't have to work the, the bait, you know, super No pretty. finesse. I don't want to say no finesse because you got to feel that thump. Sure. You got to be able to get them off right. the bottom. I mean, you got to crank. Um but it's it's a rush when you see that yeah. that brown blob come up off from the deep <laughs> and it's a it's a thirty pound grouper yeah. or a twenty pound grouper and just see people's face light up because right. I didn't know these things were down there. <laughs> you know, and and to see a you get it off the bottom and you you hand the rod to a kid and he's yeah super stoked and inspecting that fish from head to tail of everything and you talk to them about how those things live down there uh-huh. and and how they you know just all the science behind it and how they communicate um it's it's a really cool thing because you don't know what you're going to get out there that's right and do um, you have an, a favorite inshore species oh it has to be speckled trout absolutely has to be um just what we have here in the winter is is so special and the way they're caught, how you get up in those tiny little creeks and you can basically pinpoint these fish in these tiny little holes and throw these little baits and it, you, you can have magical days on those spots. Uh, and, and how, how tough they can be, you know, they're, they're a challenge. I mean, redfish, you know, most of the time, you know, if that fish is going to eat or if that fish is going to, going to, you know, pass on. Um, but a, a speckled trout, you can, it can, they can make you work and they can make you actually have to be super skilled to put one in a boat and you need to make that bait look as alive as possible. I mean, you're basically taking a fake bait and making it look alive to get a trout to bite. And it's, I love the challenge of that. I yeah. love how, how much finesse you have to do. My father-in-law comes down, and he's a tournament bass guy, and he spanks me every time. Yeah. I mean, no doubt. Um, he's He can just work that mirror lure so slow, and I am so impatient 
ripping that thing through the water, and I've made three casts to his one. Right. from how slow he's working that thing, and he has that patience from that bass fishing, you know, background. Like when clients call me and they're like, oh, I'm a bass fisherman, I'm like, you're perfect. (laughs) Because you have that patience with that cast to be able to throw at that stump or or wherever I tell you to throw it. And you can work that bait so slow and and be able to entice that trout yeah. to, to eat that fake lure. And that should be a sense of accomplishment for anybody. Oh, absolutely. To take a, a piece of plastic and trick a living animal into mm-hmm. eating it. To yep. thinking that I want that and then being able to be able to handle that fish and get that thing in the boat. Yeah. When they come up there and shake that head, I my heart drops. Especially a with a mirror every lure. Every time. Especially with a mirror lure. I mean paper thin. Paper thin mouth. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Um, so transition a little bit. So your favorite inshore species would definitely be a trout. You have told me a little bit about the way you like to fish for trout, especially in the summer. And it has to do with this, uh, very unique way of drifting that you learned offshore. If, if you don't mind expounding a little bit about this inshore drift that you have perfected into being so successful. Are you drifting the flats? Yeah. I mean, like, what, what my understanding is, like, you'll, go, you'll take three to five foot of water, and you'll drift it. And, and, and I've never really heard anybody drifting this way. Now, I've heard people offshore drifting this way, but you have found a way to translate that into inshore. And I, I've seen you do it. I've heard about you talk about it. But if you could just dive into that a little bit, tell me about how you drift this three to five foot range for trout and probably redfish too. Yeah, I mean, we, we pick up a couple of reds doing it. Um, uh, I mean, in a boat that's, that's a 24, uh, the wind has to be right and, and the tide needs to be right. Um, if they're going together, at least in my boat, if the tide and wind are blowing together, it's it's going to be hard to do. Sure. Um, it needs to be a light wind, whether, you know, light and variable to five miles an hour. And that's and that's just in my boat. And I don't have a T-top. If I had a T-top, it'd probably be any, even less. Um, it's uh, – it can get a little, a little complicated. Um, but what we're doing is we're basically uh, floating live baits – down the a three to five foot range but we're somewhere near where there's a drop off the deep water and what you can do is basically live shrimp's the best you have a slip cork rig and you're taking that live bait and you're putting it out in front of you if you can limit your your speed whether it's putting your power pole down and to try to give you a little bit of drag um and you're you're floating that shrimp out there, and, and when you say power pole, do you mean all the way down? Or are you just putting it halfway down to create drag? Halfway down to create drag. All right. And, and what are you doing with your trolling motor? So trolling motor, what we're basically doing is just keeping it on that one to two. Now this is my boat, and just keeping that boat basically perpendicular to to the wind and the tide. Right. So, so your boat stays in the same you know heading or yep. direction. And, with, but you're moving yep. in that same heading or direction with, down the bank. That's right. And and with trolling motors now, you have the you know the north button or whatever. You can hit that directional button, and that, that trolling motor will stay in that same direction. Yeah. But we're floating that bait out in front of us. 
because if you drift over fish, you're you're going to spook them, mm-hmm. especially in that three to five foot range. But we're pulling up to a spot. We're locked down in that spot. We get those baits probably 25 to 30 yards away from us, a, a good distance. Mm-hmm. And then we start to slowly creep our way and letting those baits uh, float through that flat. Right. And we're from the front of the boat, we're at our shallowest. To the stern of the boat, we're at, we're at our deepest. And okay. we're trying to find that, that contour somewhere along that drop-off to where we hit that deep water and those fish are hanging out along there. You're trying to cover as much water as possible. Right. And, and it's the easiest thing for, for, for clients sure. to do. Um, and, and we switch our baits up. Not every client is fishing live shrimp. You know, you're throwing a mud minnow on there. You're throwing a minhaden. You're throwing uh, a mullet. Do you change the bait that you use throughout the year? Is there certain times a year that you like certain baits? Nothing beats a shrimp. Nothing beats a shrimp. Nothing year be- round. Everything eats a shrimp, including me. So, <laughs> I uh, like it. I mean, you're going to burn through a lot of shrimp. So if you plan on fishing, you know, most of the day, you better have a good amount of shrimp mm-hmm. and, and a, a good cast net. Yeah. You know, because you, you're going you're gonna to be throwing in some, some pretty gnarly spots to get those shrimp and you'll i've wrecked many cast nets always carried two um you know prepared man i know that's right um it's as far as if you're targeting trout um i say a mud minnow is second to a shrimp sure you know because they love those mud minnows but you also have to think about where you're fishing and what baits are around yeah um if you see mullet around and the and they're showering and they're being fed on um put some mullet on there that's right um, the thing about mullet is you have to adjust your gear to the size of the, the bait fish that you're using. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always believed that, uh, elephants eat peanuts. So don't think that just cause you're fishing a large bait, that means you're going to catch a big fish. Uh, most times when I'm fishing here in the new river and I throw a large bait on, I end up with a shark <laughs> or I end up with a, with yeah. a, with a big ray yep. or something. That's um, right. That's so right. don't be scared to, to, to fish that, that two and a half to three inch mullet. You don't need to throw a five, six inch mullet on to catch a, a twenty eight inch trout or a twenty six inch trout. Yeah. Um. So those those little mud minnows are great, mm-hmm. great bait. They're a hardy bait. And you putting them on slip corks. Slip corks. Gotcha. Absolutely. Um, flounder season when we're doing that, we're dragging baits behind us. Uh huh. Because a, a flounder don't care if you drift over them. No, um, they don't. They're especially so if you're not making noise. That's right. So. Um, we're we're using that tactic on these on these long flats that we have, again you know towards those those drop offs mm-hmm. where you have those those reliefs where those fish can scoot up on the on the flats and they can peel out towards that that deep water if they need to. Yeah. Um. Another thing is uh sound discipline. You know you can't be doing that <sighs> and, and stomping on the boat. Um. Or slamming hatches. Or slamming hatches. Thing. That's right. Um. It's. It's a hard thing to do, I know, um, but but it matters. That water echoes through that boat and through that water, yep. and I don't know how far. It, so um, the statistic is two times faster in the water and ten times further. Yeah, I mean, that, that trout or that redfish is going to hear you way before you even get to them. That's right. So um, it's, it's, it's a hard concept to try to, try to master – yeah, um, but once you once you have that in your mind and, and and you're cognizant, I guess of of 
the two times and ten times, um, it becomes normal practice. It becomes standard operating procedure on the boat. You start stepping off the bow into the cockpit a little softer. Absolutely. And eventually it's just natural. It just, yeah. It's something you do yeah, without thinking about it. Absolutely. And, and with clients, with kids, I try to play a game. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, let's, let's, we're sneaking up on them. You know, we're, we're, we're playing, we're playing a game. Cause I mean, really it's all about the kids and, and I, I love is. like bridge fishing with the kids and stuff like that. But you know, ain't nothing like seeing the kids' face light up when they pull that trout out. That's right. Or get that, that stud red fish, mm-hmm. you know, and seeing that cork go down, uh-huh. you know, especially in the summertime. Um, nothing's better than that. That's right. No, yeah. I totally agree. And totally and, agree. You know, my day's made. If that kid is happy all day long and they're not asking to go home, I've done my job. That's right. You know, that's that's I love kids trips. Me too. It's it's the most fun to to see that and to be able to be a a part of that even if they don't remember my name or don't remember the boat or, you know, how it happened or the rod or the reel or the bait, but they, they were stoked. They they caught that fish and and they got that picture and it, it, it'll be with them forever. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that's that's super important to keep in mind. Um, but I also get super stressed because <laughs> I don't want to be the reason, you know, that a kid doesn't like fishing. So I think I put more stress on myself during a, a kid's trip than any other trip because I'm like, I want him to love or her to love fishing as much as I do. Absolutely. And this experience could be the make or break. Um, so, yeah. The, but when it all comes together and, and they do catch that, catch that stud fish, I think it just, uh, it's probably among the most rewarding. Nothing better. Yeah. Agreed. For Nothing sure. Nothing better. And it's, and it, and, and with that, to see that, uh, that person that's further along in life uh-huh. be able to do that mm-hmm. or that's, that is that kid to fishing. That, yeah. That's like, man, I've never caught a redfish mm-hmm. to be able to do that. That's I mean, right. It's just a special thing to be a part of and, and why I'm so glad that I, I got into this industry. Sure. And it's such a, a gratifying feeling when you go home and be like, man, I, I, I did that for that person. Yeah. You know, you had absolutely. an impact, you know, you made, you were the highlight of their vacation mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's such an awesome thing to be a part of. It is, you know, I, I don't, I don't, there's not many things that, that you can, you can have an impact on, on so many people. Yep. Um, than this, you That's know, especially right. with the outdoors. That's right. No, I totally agree. Um, I think that's a super good point, but transition just a little bit. You said, um, speckled trout was your favorite inshore fish. So if you had to depict your favorite forecast, to target speckled trout, whether that be big speckled trout or just catching a bunch of speckled trout, just in general, if you were going to go speckled trout fishing, how, how would you describe that forecast? My ideal would be uh, spitting rain, <laughs> cloudy, blowing forty, blowing. 40. Well, in in the winter time, sure. In the winter, yeah. You know, spitting out rain out of the northeast or ah. Uh, I like Northwest. Northwest. The, the sand, you know, fish bite the best when wind blows from the west. Okay. And yeah. bite oh, the yeah. least when it blows from the east. Yeah, I east mean, is least. We all heard it growing up. <laughs> that's right. I, 
some of the best days that I've had and some of the best charters I've had, you know, especially here recently, have been on the nastiest days. Sure. That that I'm like, are you sure? I was like, it's going to be tough conditions mm-hmm. tomorrow. And, and again, like most times, I, I've been proven wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, it needs trout weather. That's yeah. that's a thing. It's, you know, pre-front, during the front. Pre-front, during the front. Absolutely. I Big mean, barometer guy, huh? That's it, man. Um, as far as, like, barometer, I, I like to see it just slowly tapering off and then, and then settling out. Low. Yeah. Dropping. Yeah, I like 29, uh, 29.9. Yeah. Somewhere around in there. You start getting a little bit lower than that. Um, you know, I'd, ha- I'd have to look at the logs. Yeah. You know, that that's another big thing. And, and going back to the logs is that you, you look at that forecast and you go back to those logs, which I believe that, you know, it's a three-year cycle. I agree. I like a three-year cycle, and, and especially what I'm seeing this year and what I saw this summer, um, my logs from three years ago mm-hmm. are matching up right. with conditions. Yep. Um, and where not necessarily where fish are, but – the type of structure fish are on, the type of bottom or the type of, you know, mm-hmm. environment they're in is uh, is mashing up. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you come back and jot something down, it can it can be a massive benefit it, yeah, to anything you. can help. Anything. Sure. Yeah. Anything, because you're not going to be able to, to break it down by just watching a YouTube video, <laughs> you know. And, and I've, I've been there. You know, hey, I got that on. Let me look at... Uh, Prefront fishing, yeah, you know, and it's not going to give you that exact thing in your area. You're getting real time data mm-hmm. and experience from those days that you're That's fishing. Right. So again, logs, nothing is, beats time of the water. Absolutely, yeah. nothing does. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, for, as far as conditions, I want it blowing, and I want it a cloudy, spitting rain, is is my ideal conditions. Oh, yeah. Nice. I totally agree with you. That's that's some big trout weather, mm-hmm. um, and then. If you would expound on a little bit, how do you like to target those said trout on that forecast? Both um, environment, depth, or, or how do you like to target them just in general? And what baits are you going to throw? So you're going out on your perfect forecast. What are you going to look for? What are you going to target? And what are you going to throw? Well, my perfect forecast. Uh we're talking winter time, yeah. Now, so I mean, wind's blowing. So I mean, it, moving in those back creeks kind of actually works in your favor because you get out of the wind, you know, some some bit. So it actually helps. If anybody's ever done it, throwing a a mirror lure in the wind can be uh, a, a little difficult. So I'd like to move to my my comfort bait, which is that Z Man Minnow Z on a uh, on a little bit heavier jig head, probably quarter ounce. And uh, we're looking in back creeks, man. We're looking; those fish are going to be sitting on those those drop offs, those holes in those creeks. Um, usually, if I start seeing, you know, three, three and a half foot of water, and then drop to five, five, six, seven foot of water, um, I'm not going to stop and fish that right there. You've already been over that spot. But if I'm on my trolling motor when I come back, I'm fishing that spot. Right. Absolutely fishing that spot. Yeah. Um, I believe electronics play a big deal in there. Um, 
So if you're able to mark that and be able to come back and fish that spot. Um, and if you don't catch fish in one direction, like say we're casting up the creek and we're moving in the creek, uh, fish that on the way back. Mm-hmm. Don't think because you fished that already moving into the creek that there aren't fish there. Sure. They might they may want to see the bait come in a different direction. That's right. Because you're throwing artificials, you're getting a reaction bite. That's right. You're seeing they're seeing that bait and they're 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 reacting to it. Um, so I, I'm I'm throwing on those nasty days. I'm throwing soft plastics because it's you get that mirror lure curveball, and it'll <laughs> end up. Everybody knows it. End up in the bushes or in the trees, and uh, you're gonna have a good time getting it back. Uh, I like those soft plastics mm-hmm. on those uh, those tough those harsh w- weather days, which are my favorite. Yeah, right. So, right. Um, I think they're a lot easier on the clients, um, and, they're, and they're a lot easier to work because it's mm-hmm. usually a straight retrieve. Yeah. It's nothing real sexy you got to do with the bait. It's It's got all the action built into it, mm-hmm. and uh, we're, we're targeting those holes. Mm-hmm. Um, moving up the river, we're, char- we're targeting structure. We're looking for stumps, mm-hmm. looking for down logs. We're looking for anything in the water that's going to give them some sort of, I guess, safe haven right, that they can, right. they can get on. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you get hung up, break it off, and we'll we'll keep fishing that. That's right. So, yeah. um, I'm not scared to leave a jig head on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. On well, sick man. Um, well, I think that pretty much covers all the questions I had for you as far as uh, fishing inshore and what you like to do, how you drift, and um, kind of how you attack these fish. Um, I'm really appreciative of you sitting down with us today and kind of going over it, massaging a few topics. But um, before we jump off here, just kind of let everybody know how they can find you and, and how they can book a trip with you. Yeah, so uh, I'm on Google, In Real Time Fishing Charters. Uh, you can find me there or you can find me on Instagram on In Real Time. Uh, the letter N, R-E-E-L, a little play on words there. Uh <laughs> time fishing charters um give me a call uh hit me up on instagram shoot me an email um and and we'll get you on the water um it's it's uh it's it's prime time right now yeah i got i got trout fever real bad (laughs) you know i'm trying to find any excuse to give my wife to get out on the water yeah you know it's she's like so you're always out on the water i was like i gotta be there (laughs) you gotta you gotta be there like you said earlier you know nothing there's no substitute for time on the water. There's not. And it's 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 a hard thing to beat. So if if you got the time, you want to learn, please give me a call. You know, we'll 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 make some fishing memories for you. Nice. Right on. Well, Captain Drew, I appreciate you sitting down with us and I appreciate everybody tuning in today and uh we'll see you next time. <laughs>